Hey, what's up, everybody? We got bonus episodes out the wazoo this week. Yeah, we did a Loki bonus, and now you're getting a bonus interview with Paris Themen. Paris Themen played Mike TV in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This movie is celebrating 50 years. Can you believe it? That's crazy. I haven't even been on the planet 50 years, and and we're celebrating the 50th anniversary. There's not a time in my life where I can't remember uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory not being in it. And this is an awesome opportunity being able to speak with Paris Stemmen, uh, joined by Dan Ramirez of the Heroes of Noise podcast and Brooke Doherty from PopCultureLeftovers.com and PicardCast. This episode's going to go out on all the feeds, which is really exciting. I'm happy to be able to share this with everybody. But yeah, the 50th anniversary of this movie, and it's going to be available on Ultra HD Blu-ray Combo Pack for $24.99 and includes an Ultra HD Blu-ray disc with the feature film in 4K with HDR and a Blu-ray disc with the feature film and special features. Fans can also own Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in 4K Ultra HD via purchase from select digital retailers beginning on June 29th. This is pretty awesome. Ultra HD Blu-ray and Blu-ray features. We got commentary with the Wonka kids. Pure Imagination, the story of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the movie makers, scrumptious sing-along, Pure Imagination, scrumptious sing-along, I want it now, scrumptious sing-along, I've got a golden ticket, scrumptious sing-along, oompa loompa doopity doo, and the theatrical trailer, and I just got a text. Uh, all that and more. And, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's fucking Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This is an amazing movie. We had an amazing time talking with Paris. So yes, give this a listen. Bonus episode. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. We are joined by Paris Themen from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. 50 years. This is insane. Did you? Okay. I got a question for you right off the bat and I'm happy okay. to have you here. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hello to you. Hello. Hello, both of you. Hi. I'm Brian. You're talking with Brooke and then Dan Ramirez, who's muted right now, but he will be talking. Um, <laughs> I'm super excited to talk to you. Uh, 50 years of Willy Wonka. Did you think when you were filming this? that it would have this longevity that it has? No, absolutely not. I can remember there was a time when we were shooting the chocolate room scene, which we'll probably talk about more, uh, when I made a joke with somebody about Oscars or something like that. But uh, uh, the actually, it was nominated for uh, Best Song, I think. So that's as close as I ever got to that one. Um, but no, and really, it wasn't that popular for a long time. It became popular about, 15 years in uh, around the time the video release happened and they started showing it um, on TV once a year, kind of like Wizard of Oz. And um, uh, they did that actually before we even had VHS. So if you wanted to see it, you literally had to wait till that day of the year and then you could see it. 
And it's, you know, that gave it a sort of exclusivity and it started growing in popularity. Um, no, I certainly didn't know. And also once it got its footing, then it just sort of grew and grew and grew. And maybe it might even have flagged a little bit. And then the, the Johnny Depp thing happened. And then, you know, people were looking again back at this one. And, uh, uh, there are, there are just sort of a, there's a constant stream of pseudo Willy Wonka references like, the uh, golden ticket at American Idol or around um, Laurie uh, Grenier's neck. She gives the golden ticket once a, you know, uh, once a season on Shark Tank and uh, AT&T's got uh, Candyman right now. I mean, these are just like the most recent ones, but there's been a constant stream. Oh, Family Guy, Simpsons, uh, you know, they all do their version of it. And so um, the short answer to your question is no, I didn't know. Uh, but it's been a pleasure to be in something that uh, it is definitely not lost on me because I constantly, pretty constantly, have conversations with people that talk to me about the impact that it had on their life. And as many people as talk to me about it, that's as many stories as there are about, you know, the answer to that question. Uh, You know, you get generic things like, oh, my God, my favorite movie, but then you also get, uh, you know, it makes me think of my father who's no longer with me uh, because he's the one that watched it with me. Or, um, uh, you know, I felt like Charlie for this reason or that reason, or, you know, you, uh, I was a TV addict or whatever, you know, whatever it is, everybody's got something different and they're all, they're all different and they're all valid. And so um, if I ever thought it was going to be lost on me, I can't because I'm constantly reminded. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, it's a timeless movie. When you're in rare air too, I mean, that's it's you know you think of certain characters that have stood the test of time, and all these characters in this movie have stood the test of time. That's the thing that's actually hard to actually wrap. Like, I'm not sure I actually believe that even today. Right? I mean, yeah, I, I all the things I'm saying are true. But the idea, when you say rare air, I mean, mm-hmm. that really sort of brings it home. Like, you know, I mentioned Wizard of Oz and nothing's in the same breath as Wizard of Oz, right? I mean, Wizard of Oz, Casablanca, Gone with the Wind. Uh, I'm a film geek. I'm an everything geek, but I'm a film geek too. And it's so, if you, you know, if it's possibly actually, like, I still don't know that it's true because I have no perspective on it. But should it be true that Willy Wonka is somewhere, even in the environs of the things that I just said? I mean, it's ridiculously lucky by me, right? Like, what are the odds that I should? It's the only feature film I ever made, right? I did Broadway. I did commercials. I put in my, you know, my, uh, uh, what's the word? You know, I, 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 uh, I paid my dues, right? In some of the other stuff, the commercial world, let's say, that's paying your dues, right? Hi, it's me, blah, 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 right? Right. But now I'm in one feature film. It's when I'm 11, so I peaked too soon, right? <laughs> and uh, and I'm in, as you say, rare air. So whatever, I'll take it. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Sure, I'll take it. Hi, Paris. By the way, I'm Dan, and it's a pleasure. Hi, Dan. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you. I'm a massive fan. Um, I don't want to geek out too much, but this movie's been with me since, just like you were saying, since my childhood, something that I watched with my parents, did the annual watch, just like you were speaking about, and I've passed this movie on to my kids. Uh, my son was very glad when he turned 12 because he didn't have to hear, not until you're 12, son, anymore, you know? So sure. it's right. just okay. something that's always right. been in our house, and uh, so it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you. Um I did have a question, though, kind of expanding on what you're talking about. You're 11 years old. 
you do this movie. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have the acclaim that it was, I don't know if it was expected to have, but it obviously took a little time to get there and became yeah. this, this classic. And I'm curious for you as an 11 year old going into your teen years, when exactly did you sort of realize like, Hey, this movie's a little bit bigger than I was expecting it to be. I'm suddenly now Mike TV everywhere I go. Or was that always the case? Well, no, it's, it's on the timeline that I described before. So it's a, there's a 10 or 15 year delay. You get around 17 years and now I'm asked to do a Comic-Con, which it's not a Comic-Con in this case. It's, it's in LA. It's uh, something called the Hollywood. Uh, what was the name of that show? The Hollywood, um, the Hollywood show. Thanks. My wife just answered the question for me. It was called the Hollywood show. It was run by a guy who's not doing it anymore. His name is Ray Quartz. And I go there and now I'm sitting next to other cool sort of pop culture icon people. And it's the first con that I do. And after that, I do another one that's chiller in New York theater in New York City, actually outside of New York and Jersey. And I'm sitting around more sort of horror geeky people. And I'm like, I'm not sure still whether I want to embrace the idea. You know, it's 97, 98. I think maybe I'm still going to have an active acting career. So I'm hesitant to become somebody that's at a con. I'm not sure how that would affect it. Sure. But meanwhile, I make, you know, I make some money. I don't want to say how much, but, you know, enough that it's like golden handcuffs on the weekend a little bit. So I'm like, OK. And then the entrepreneurial spirit kicks in. And now I'm like, OK, fine. I'm going to book the heck out of this year. Right. And I do 20 of them in a year. Right. So in and around that time that I'm now putting a poster of Willy Wonka behind me and some golden tickets for me to sign in front of me, uh, right around there. Okay. It's fully, you know, dawned on me <laughs> by then, uh, what's going on here. But, you know, the dawning, the actual dawning is like I said, maybe, you know, 15 years afterwards when the cult classic aspect of it is starting to increase. I imagine at some point there were people that were just suddenly pointing you out on the street and whatnot. I imagine maybe that happens sooner than later. That's the thing, because be... the time when I was most recognizable is not the time when the movie was most popular. Yeah, that's what right? I was say. It's got to be a little different for you, though, because you're such a, a small kid and you're maturing. And then maybe maybe that was kind of like a nice little way to get sure, to the grocery but I mean, store. So, so, sure. So you could you could sw switch some things around. You could switch around uh, the payday of uh, Macaulay Culkin around Home, Home Alone. Right. Yeah. That doesn't match up with what I got paid in 1970 to do this film. Uh, the, the, you know, the rise in popularity uh, for the film being when I'd already decided no longer to be an actor, you know, those two things didn't match up. But at this point we're splitting hairs to try to line up everything exactly the way it would be for maximum positive effect. I mean, considering the, the, you know, what has happened, I got nothing to complain about. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's been uh, great, not only for me, but for a lot of other people around the world. And so, you know, count your blessings as they are basically. Out of all the other child actors that were in it though, you were in it longer than the other kids that got booted out. And so you I got do have a that. lot of screen time. <laughs> That's true. I got a lot of screen time. I had a lot of, I got to see a lot of the sets, uh, that, you know, uh, maybe everybody else didn't get to see and, and play and hang out and be there for a long time. I didn't get a song like Veruca that's a bit of a sore spot because I was on Broadway singing, uh, but they didn't provide me with one. And so what are you going to do? Uh, you did get yeah. to do your own stunt, though, with the exploding candy. 
That was good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Like many things, they did it in a what they call a practical way. So they literally yanked me into a bunch of pots and pans. Those pans to preserve the safety of the actor would have been digital, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they had a tube with smoke, which would have been digital smoke now. In addition to making it more fun for me on the day, I think it made it a better movie. I think that uh, filmmakers today could be more brave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, today's press day, right? So we did a press junket. Uh, we did a lot of talking. And one guy in particular, I don't even remember who he was or who he represented, but that was, you know, he had five minutes with us, right? His whole thing was about practical effects versus digital effects and how important that is and how, you know, I totally, I'm completely on board with that. Like I said, I'm a film geek. So, uh-huh. you know, they should do more of that. And, well, uh, but they, they try- do it for us. Yeah, they've, they've tried with like the Star Wars and stuff coming back to more practical effects after the, you know, the Phantom Menace. And then I'm hoping that this new Indiana Jones is going to have more practical effects. So and when they do it, it's usually good. You know, occasionally puppetry sort of falls, fails, I think. Yeah. But uh, generally speaking, because people are willing to forgive, you know, they understand that it's not going to look, you know, Willy Wonka is, is walking down the lane and he's kicking what's clearly a balloon that has got a sort of a spin art uh, paint job on it. But you know what? He's actually kicking something, right? Yeah. So we'll give up on the fact that you can see, if you look closely, that it's got that balloon shape and you can see the place where the balloon is tied, you know. It must have been awesome for you kids to actually be able to work with something that's tactile that you can feel. Like when you're in that world, you can just run around and, you know, you know, pretend that you're eating the different treats and foods and stuff like that, as opposed to like, just looking at green screens and having ping pong balls all over you. Right, exactly. So it does two things. It it makes it an easier job as an actor. Yes. Because you're working on something that's here. And so as you're trying to trick your mind into thinking you're someone else somewhere else, you have all these visual cues around you to help you suspend your disbelief. And secondly, it's just as a person to be on set and to see all of this stuff, it makes it more fun for you experientially just as a person, not just as someone who's trying to be the characters, uh, the, the, uh, the character. So it does both of those things. My question was actually kind of related to the practical effects because your character seemed to have not quite as messy of a goodbye as, <laughs> as everyone else. Cause you were just a little tiny guy. So uh, all the kids had to do all like the big, like air blown up suit and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, If you had to have a fate of one of those other children as your character, what, what do you think you would rather have had to do? (laughs) Oh, if I could pick another uh, demise, I suppose. Let me think about it. Yeah. You know, none of them are that fun. Right. Um, Right. You got to either get drowned, basically, or you got to <laughs> blow up as, you know, she had to hang out in a in a big uh, styrofoam ball that they, you know, cut an impression out of her and then wrapped her up and sort of turn her every every day, you know, every uh, hour. So her blood didn't pool in one area or another. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I'll just stick with the one that I got. How's that? I do think that this film is right there with the wizard of oz because it's so ingrained in the, our culture and our generations like the three of us um the songs are great and it's scary and it's colorful and it's fun and 
I see it on more often on TV than Wizard of Oz anymore. So <laughs> that should. Well, I, I, you know, it's a great compliment. I completely agree. I think it's awesome. And uh, I, I, you know, I share your opinion about it for sure. Do you have any, I'm sure you've probably told every story that's ever, you know, uh, that you ever had about uh, your experience in Willy Wonka, but mm. any really cool Gene Wilder stories you can tell us? Um. Gene Wilder stories. Uh, you know, I, I can only tell you that he was an excellent guy and an excellent actor. In terms of particular anecdotes, I don't know how much I've got for you there. I mean, it was fun to play with him on screen. There was a lot of times when he, you know, clapped his hand across my mouth or he, you know, too many takes on the, you know, the grabbing my hair at the bottom of the, the stairs oh, yeah. or, <laughs> um, uh, you know, but Easter's over all these things. Uh, not, uh, can you open your mouth a little wider when you speak? You know, all these things that, that we sort of played together. Very nice guy, uh, offset, very quiet, sort of intense, but, mm. uh, you know, piercing blue eyes and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a uh, good guy, fun and, uh, and nice. Yeah. Sounds like a real professional. So. For sure. And he did his own stunt at the beginning when we first see his first appearance. He did. I mean, how many takes did that take when he does that little flip? Was that like a one and done or did they want to? It wasn't one and done, but I don't think they did a ton of them. If I had to guess, I'd say he did it like three or four times. You know, that was a writer that he put in his contract that, uh, you know, they were like, will you play this? He says, yes, if I could do this thing. And the reason he did it that way is so that no one would know whether to trust him from there forward. And I know that he rehearsed the tumble. Mm. Uh, it's tough to do the tumble with the hat in particular, because you yeah. got to get the hat off and you got to sort of clear the hat to the side and then do the tumble and come up, you know, kind of all in one piece. So uh, uh, I didn't know he was going to do that. There were several things like uh, uh, the view. I'm stretching here because I've been doing this. Actually, I've been doing this eight and a half hours. So uh, I don't know if you want to cut away or just watch me stand up and stretch, but I just want to sort of move the blood around my body for a second. So sorry about that. If you want to start uh, doing some yoga or whatever you want you to do. You saw me right stretching now. around a little bit because, yeah, I'm starting to feel like, ugh, gosh, I've just been like sitting in the same position for a while. So pardon I, me. Like I, I said, feel free yeah. to cut away and uh, edit that out. I don't know if we're live or if you have the capability of doing that. If you don't, then uh, this is a window to your viewers into what it's like to do eight and a half hours of uh, press in one day, yeah. sitting in one place, talking to a variety of different people. <laughs> so after a while, when you're 62 and that happens, uh, you start feeling like moving the blood around your body, like uh, Violet Beauregard in the uh, in the styrofoam ball. So uh, sorry. So uh, what, what question were we on again? Tell me again. I was just going to say that I knew we were getting you at the end of the day. And I was like, oh, man, he is just going to hate us by the time he gets us <laughs> at the end of the day. I don't hate you, but it's literally, you know, like a physical thing where I literally just wanted to sort of do a little of this and a little of that. I can uh, it's not, it's that. not a hating thing. Uh, so, again, I forget what question we were on when I when I went off into that thing. Well, I, I asked about the the stunt and uh, kind of makes sense oh, that yeah. Johnny Johnny Depp would want to play him in the movie with if you, if you ever seen you're a film guy you've seen Benny and June and he's always doing the hat tricks and stuff so <laughs> sure yeah it makes sense that Johnny Depp would want to play him I, sure. one one quick question I'll let Dan ask his question yeah after the movie came out did you ever hear wind of them wanting to do another one because like that's huge right now and I'm just wanting to know what it was like like the climate back then. I know you said it wasn't huge when it came out, but did they ever talk about doing like another movie? 
I mean, I heard talk about uh, them thinking about a great glass elevator, but it's nowhere near as visual. I mean, here we have a factory that they're traveling around. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they'll, they'll make a liar out of me and make it tomorrow or whatever. But I mean, really, you know, they, they just sort of get into a spaceship and they see a couple of things and, and then that's it. It's not so, uh, but you probably know that they're working on a prequel. Oh yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet and uh, David Heyman produced. So that's a good thing. He did. You got a call. I'm ready for the cameo whenever they want to, you know, reach out to me. I'm, uh, I have not gotten the call. I would absolutely do it. I'd be happy to do it. Yeah. And, um, uh, so no, but, uh, you know, so the pedigree is good and, uh, hopefully it will be good. Uh, we'll see. The heart of the movie, in my opinion, is in fact the factory. I mean, it's a character in itself. It's a beautiful, mm. magical place. So yes. we were talking about practical effects earlier. And I'm curious, when filming the uh, chocolate room scene, yeah. is it true that they actually had the kids not see what was going on so they could get like a legitimate reaction? And yeah. on top of that, yeah, does that also count for the Wonkatania boat? Because, you know, there's really disturbing visuals. And I was always curious if, if in fact, you know, they were showing something that you guys actually reacted to to get that fear or is it just... This is just acting. Hollywood oh, right. Style. You're talking about, right. I, you're talking about the Wonka Tania. I thought you meant like when we see it in the chocolate room. Actually, well, so, both, but I just meant, are they showing you these things at the same, like while you're filming them the first time to get natural reactions from you? Yes. Uh, so four of us had not seen the chocolate room before, and they were careful not to show it to us. Uh, Veruca actually had seen it. And uh, she was invited by Harper Goff, who was the art director. And he said, oh, come look at this thing. We're building it. And so she was acting. The four of us were like, oh, look at that. And she was like, oh, wow, look at that. And then the same thing with Gene. Yeah, we saw the, the written words on the page, but we didn't know what he was going to do with it. Certainly, uh, they warmed us up by showing us uh, uh, bright lights and chickens getting their head cut off yeah uh things crawling across here and that kind of stuff so they uh you know they sort of got us in the mood and then gene did that and um yeah so it was surprising i do a star trek podcast Uh and um i i know this is you know kind of off but you were a background person in an episode of voyager and i just wonder if you have anything about star trek just real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, sure. I was in uh, the episode called Virtuoso. It was on Voyager. Uh, it was the one where uh, uh, the hollow doc is an opera singer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they wanted people that looked like him. So I look like him. And they put an, an appliance on me here. And uh, therefore, I was part of that race. Uh, they dressed us all the same. Uh, to me, the best part of it was they had the, the comm, you know, the chair. Uh, and so after I was done shooting, I found, uh, I found the chair and I sat down and I had somebody take some pictures of me and I said, engage. And, uh, I, so it's just one, you know, uh, Janeway passed by me in the hallway. And, uh, so yeah, I'm a geek too. Uh, I get it. It's one reason I was able to sort of slip into the, the Comic-Con culture as easily as I could, because, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan and all these things as well. And uh, Tolkien and on and on. So, um, yeah, that was the fun part for me is sitting in the chair and uh, and uh, pretending to be the captain for a second. 
was everybody on the cast uh, during uh, the filming? Was everybody really tight? Were all the kids really tight? And have you stayed in contact with anyone since the end of the movie? Uh, you know, Michael, we didn't really know very well. He came in and played Augustus and was, and then was gone. I was 11. They were 13. So I was a little uh, out of sync with them there. I was a little sort of like, hey, yeah, me too, you know. <laughs> um, but now we are friends and uh, we see each other fairly regularly. And um, we're pretty much the ones that are around now at this point are the kids. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a 20-year gap between us and anybody else that was in the movie. And, um, you know, we're friends. We're kind of like, a, I won't say dysfunctional family, but our characters were certainly dysfunctional. And uh, yeah, we uh, we get along. Everybody's it's all good. That's awesome. I, yeah, that I, it's it to this day. It's just such an amazing movie. It's a magical movie. And yeah, I do put it on the Mount Rushmore of like great children's entertainment. And it captures the imaginations of kids and adults. I put it on that Mount Rushmore with Wizard of Oz. It's it's definitely up there. You've done something. That is going to stand the test of time. It's 50 years, but 50 years from now, people are still going to be watching this movie. As much as I love Timothy Chalamet, it will never replace what you guys did in that original film ever. Time will tell. I can't say. It's, it would be rude of me to predict. You can do it, but I I'm can't. Do, I'm totally I'll do it. saying. I'm yeah, calling. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree with Brian. You're doing pretty well so far. I think it's going to stand the test of time. I mean, this movie's perennial, you know, and it's always being passed on to different children mm-hmm. all over the world. And it's like, you know, this movie obviously teaches the story, I should say, obviously teaches some lessons about, you know, the behavior of kids and, and your you know self-respect and the respect amongst others and all of that not being selfish and if there was one thing that you would want children of this day and age to take from this movie, what would it be? Well, it's a morality play, as you say, right? I mean, it's, you know, if you do bad things and bad things happen to you, if you aren't, you know, if good things happen to you, uh, things that I would want kids to take. I mean, I'm Mike TV, so I have to say, don't watch too much TV, right? I mean, <laughs> people are, or, you know, don't be like Veruca Salt, right? I mean, that's, that's the lesson. Look what will happen to you. (laughs) No good will come of it, right? I love that Mike TV actually became a film geek, though. That's great. He'd love Breaking Bad. He'd love uh, The Wire. He'd love The Sopranos. He'd love, uh, you know, Saw, right? He would love all of these. I mean, okay, I mentioned three things from the golden age of TV, and then I mentioned a a horror movie franchise. But, you know, uh, he he would be very uh, uh, comfortable in today's TV world. I think. Um, and I am, you know, I mean, the first, not so much saw, but, uh, you know, the wire Sopranos and breaking bad. And these are things that I actually really like a lot, uh, as a viewer, right. Kubrick. How about anything newer these days? Anything new that you're watching that's really caught your eye? Oh, what am I watching? Uh, money heist. No, I have not seen money. What is Uh, money money heist on? Come on, of the three of you, no money heist? No money heist. I'm a little ashamed that the any, okay. not sorry, one of us can answer on, this question. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but <laughs> yeah. uh it's excellent. It's not uh an American film. It's on Netflix. It's uh it's a it's a uh Spanish series. I have uh, seen the first two episodes of that. They dropped it all on Netflix. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, it is very good. I think I've watched the first two or three episodes. It's fantastic. It is excellent, and you stopped? 
when they threw you right into the deep end? I do a movie podcast. I got to move on to new things every week. And so, right. yes, I, I, I got to get back to that one. It's, you yeah. know, it's very good. You'll like it. Um, what else am I watching? I don't know. I mean, that's pretty, it's so current. You guys aren't, you know, only one of you will watch two episodes. So I should just quit while I'm ahead. One thing that we couldn't answer. Oh, you know what? Hacks. How about hacks? Oh, I love, oh my gosh. I am so in love with that show. That hacks is, is great. Phenomenal. But this I watched, is not, yeah, I watched the fifth episode where it was like at the end, you had a character jump out of that window in, uh, in Las Vegas. And I was blown away by the ending of that one. So. Yeah. Hacks is great. And I'm actually, uh, I don't know if I'm right up to the date. Uh, I, I suppose I am. I'm up to date with Kaminsky method. I'm watching that one right now. Uh. Um, uh, although now it occurs to me suddenly, I should be mentioning only Warner Brothers properties, but whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> you can blame us. Uh, yeah, I'm watching stuff. I'm watching stuff for sure. Love Comiskey Method. Haven't seen season three yet. I'm a little sad just because of the way that the story arc changes. But uh, can you tell me? Are we in good hands? Is it a good season so far? I know I'm you only. Really- I'm I'm in the middle like you. I'm I'm at three two. So I I'm not much further than you. I'm like two okay. episodes ahead of you. So All I can't right. really. I yeah, couldn't spoil you if I wanted to. Yeah. Fantastic show though. How big, how big is Mike TV's real TV? 85 inches. <laughs> 85 <laughs> inches. Sony Bravia. Sony Bravia. Nice. Nice choice. Yeah, it's, nice. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, I live in a beautiful house with my wife and uh, two cats. No kids, but uh, two beautiful cats. And, I've got uh, two cats myself. I saw the Willy Wonka pinball. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's fun. And I saw your yeah. two cats on the box, and it brought us. Oh, funny. <laughs> okay, yeah. Thanks for doing the research. Uh, they're <laughs> awesome. Uh, one of them is uh, one of them is named uh, Lilibet, which is a nod to the Crown, by the way. Also an excellent series. Boy, I'm on Netflix today. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so um, the other one's named Winston because they're my both two- British short hairs. My two cats. Uh, I've got one named Warner, and the other is named Brothers. So. Oh yeah. Oh, is that true? Oh, that's not at all, but we can end <laughs> <laughs> right. Good job. I was trying good to job. make up for earlier. You should. No, that's good. And, and you know, this way it, it'll balance out my Netflix references. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, uh, they're awesome. Uh, if I could turn the camera around, they have me all set up with ring lights and uh, and a teleprompter and everything else here. So I can't turn the camera towards my cats, but if I could, I would. That's we have had a wonderful time talking with you, Paris. It's been a dream come true for us. To Thank you. It's very kind. And uh, you know what? You enjoy the rest of your day. You enjoy you. the rest of your day. I'm not I kidding. Will. It, you, you put on a marathon for, for fans of this movie. And everybody should buy the Blu-ray on June 29th. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you Paris. very much. Nice to thank meet you, all Paris. Of you. Nice thank to meet you as well. Thank you.